Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. And um, today, it is just me. However, uh, you know, just a little scheduling conflict, but me and Shaq will be back in here next week. But guys, it's going down this Saturday night, tomorrow. Sean Strickland versus Uriah Hall in the main event. Been trying to get this new camera working. As you can see, this new camera, uh, the picture quality is a lot better. We're trying to upgrade that, but there's some, some kind of like syncing issue. Like I think basically like the way my lips are moving, it's like a, a half second behind or something like that. So I've been like spending like the last like however many hours trying to tweak it. I'm going to have to get my tech guy in here to fix this shit, but just know that we are working behind the scenes to try to up the quality of the show and do things the right way. But, um, you know, we're not fucking tech experts or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? But hey, look at this camera quality. The camera quality is on point. Now we're just going to get that sync issue and then uh, get Shaq back in here and we'll be good to go. But it's going down Saturday night. We got Uriah Hall in the main event versus Sean Strickland. Obviously, Uriah Hall, there were always big expectations for him, um, especially coming off the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, the way people viewed Uriah Hall on the ultimate fighter was kind of like, is he the next Anderson Silva? Is he the next crazy knockout artist? And you know, there you've seen the glimpses here and there, but I feel like now he's finally, he's got that win streak. He's got that confidence behind him. You're finally starting to see the guy that people will, that people, people were wanting to see, excuse me. Um, since after the ultimate fighter, uh, you know, beat Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman back to back, that's big for his mentality and Sean Strickland. I mean, ever since he moved up to 85s, look, I mean, that kid's always had talent too, but now he's on his win streak. He's trying to make his run. So this is going to be a very interesting fight. So listen, I'm going to break down this whole car start to finish, but before we do, you guys already know the deal. Got to give a shout out to our sponsor Manscaped. So listen, the Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships and concerts are all in summer. You know, what's not, a wild and hairy bush. Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation performance package includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0, which is what I got in my hands right here. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Fellas, do right by your balls and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. And I mean, got like like we always talk about, y'all got to be ready for... Uh, for those short notice opportunities, I mean, look at my boy Jared and I trained good in three day notice and he made 170 pounds on weigh in day. You know, he's ready for a short notice opportunity. You know, if those pubes are too long, he might not have made 171. It might have been 171.2. So Manscaped, y'all got to hook him up. But no, nah, but uh, the world is starting to open and the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Again, what I got in my hand right here, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. Talk about a world-class dismount into a post-quarantine world. This package is the perfect package for your package and peak performance in whatever sport you desire. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take the podium. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor and a new multifunction on off switch, which can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn on a 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Michael Phelps is drooling just thinking about the possibilities. This package also comes with the weed whacker to chop the worst weeds up top in both your nose and ear. And this tool uh, is a lock to take, uh, to take home gold in the biathlon. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor power 360-degree rotary dual-blade system, which always sounds badass whenever I say. And this nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate areas. After trimming your pubes, 
Show them some sportsmanship with Manscaped's liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Our key to feeling victorious this year, and you know my boy Shaq ain't going to be caught dead at the VIP room in the club without that Crop uh, Preserver and Crop Reviver. And Manscaped also threw in uh, two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. So guys, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com achieve pubic glory this year with manscaped so now uh i think it's time to break down this whole car start to finish let me see what y'all are saying right now oh you know my boy uh dan goldstein do right by your balls by Derek lewis hey can't argue with that definitely definitely andrew light up i hope you're lighting one up for me i appreciate you everybody in here uh thank you so much should i uh Oh damn! Those earlier comments got deleted, man. I wanted to. I wanted to say something. I'm in the mood right now, but it's all good. I, I I'm just so happy that y'all are passionate enough to to want to hear us talk, man. So that means the world to me. Thank you for being here. So we're gonna break down this whole card, as I said. Let's get right down to business because first up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Orion Kose. He's seven and zero. He's taking on Phil Rowe, who is seven and three. And also, just so y'all know. I'm going to give y'all Shaq's picks as well. He sent them to me. Uh, my boy, uh, Jimmy the Drunk, said, Danny looking lifted. I mean, bro, it's Friday night at, at midnight, basically. What the fuck do you think? So, Kose versus Rowe, 7 and over, 7 and 3. And currently, the odds are Orion Kose, minus 154, minus 160 ish. And the comeback on Phil Rowe is plus 140. So, Basically, this is an interesting fight because Orion Kose making that UFC debut. He had that fight on contender series. Kind of reminds me of just, you know, a strong farm boy. You know, he's going to go out there. He's going to try to throw big bombs. He's going to try to pin you up against the fence and try to grind out the decision. You know, some of the lower level guys, he's going to go out there and finish. And with Phil Rowe, he's one of the longer guys in the division. I mean, he's got an 81 inch reach, which I think only Magny has a reach like that at welterweight. He's six foot four. Obviously, it's about, you know, the experience and the seasoning with a guy like Phil Rowe because he's got all the physical tools. I mean, once this kid like realizes how to use his range and how to use that length and fight long, I think that he can go far in this sport. It's just that right now, you know, he's still early in his career. He's very hittable, but he's got some good things going for him. Obviously, I meant the I mentioned the physical attributes, but what about the fact that, you know, he is training his jujitsu under Julian Williams and one of his main training partners is Rodolfo Vieira. So you're on the match rolling with a guy like Rodolfo Vieira um, every single day. That's only going to elevate your jujitsu to that next level. So I think that uh, I think that he's just got to keep doing what he's doing. Look, this is a spot where I was just kind of surprised that, you know, Kose is minus 160, minus 170, like minus 200. I mean, look, if you want to say he's a slight favorite, okay, that's one thing, but I, I'm not really sure, you know, why why the confidence. So I'm I'm gonna go with Phil Rowe here, man. You know, you know, he knows what it's he knows what it's like to be uh under the UFC lights for the first time. He's coming back in here, but obviously, you know, you gotta worry about the reason why the leg kicks were so effective in that last fight is because one of the disadvantages of being, you know, a six foot four guy with the 82 inch reach um in a weight class like welterweight is, you know, he's got a bit of those chicken legs, man. So it doesn't take too many. Now, granted, I haven't seen Kose go out there with a leg kick game plan, but at the same time, just because he hasn't done it in the past doesn't mean that him and his team didn't sit down and watch the tape and decide that, hey, let's implement that strategy here. So, you know, it, this fight could be very competitive. I'm going to lean with Phil Rowe uh, to use his physical advantages and to, uh, you know, maybe find a submission along the way, if not uh, grind out the decision. So my boy, Jonathan Ramirez just donated $5 to the show. Get Shaq out the pen. Hey, Shaq's all good, man. Uh, we just had a scheduling conflict. Uh, I think, I think a misunderstanding on my part. I think he said one. So I was thinking 1 PM. Apparently he meant 1 AM. So no, but uh, no, I, it, it's my bad. Let's blame it on me. So, all right. So next up, in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Ryan Benoit. He's 10 and 7. He's taking on Zaruk Adashev, who is 3 and 3. And currently, they got Ryan Benoit minus 140. The comeback on Zaruk Adashev is plus 120. So, Ryan Benoit, I, I, both these guys actually are better than their records indicate. Like with Ryan Benoit, 
it's one of those things where, look, this is a guy that went to a split decision with the flyweight champion, Brandon Moreno. This is a guy that knocked out the Bellator bantamweight champion, Sergio Pettis. So he's been competitive with some good guys. And a lot of these fights that he's losing are split decision losses. And, and it's not because he's not, you know, skilled or talented. It's just because this, these, these moments of bad in-fight decision-making, like it'll be one-to-one going to the third round and, and he'll give up that takedown. So it's things like that that cost Ryan Benoit these wins. It's not a lack of skill. I mean, the guy hits extremely hard. Um, I've always thought he was one of the hardest hitters at, at flyweight back in the day. It, like Back in the day, it was him and John Moraga who were the hardest hitters at flyweight. Nowadays, obviously, with David, uh, with Davis and Figueredo in the picture, which I hope he moves up to Bantamweight. You know, it's a different story. But Ryan Benoit packs a punch. He's got hard kicks. He's been training his jiu-jitsu with Gary Tonin. So starting to, you know round out his game a little bit. And he's just a tough Texas kid. And Zaruk Adashev, I understand his record is three and three. Um, at, at the same time, you know, he went 17 and three as a kickboxer. So it's not like he's only had six fights. He's, you know, had the the 20 kickboxing fights plus, plus the MMA. And also in his short MMA tenure, he's also competed in Bellator, I believe. So, you know, he's got some decent experience. I know that debut against Tyson Nam. Listen, Tyson Nam's another one of the hardest hitters at flyweight. And Zaruk took that fight on what four day notice now granted i mean everybody's different you know zaruk was on the couch he looked like the pillsbury doughboy i know my jared my boy jared took the fight on three day notice comes in and makes weight zaruk didn't make weight zaruk got caught right away but that next fight against uh suma darji uh chinese connor i felt like i felt like zaruk showed up man i mean look it didn't go his way but he fought tough like he fought really really tough so he can only build off of that and not to mention, he's training with the right people. Um, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's out there training with Frankie Edgar, with Ricardo Almeida, with uh, with Mark Henry, with all those guys. So, I mean, if that's truly the case, then you know, I I think that uh, I think he's only going to improve. So, this is one of those fights where Ryan Benoit should be favored just because of the seasoning and the UFC experience. Uh, however, it's one of those things where. He has a way of making these fights close. And, you know, you start to do that against a young, hungry kid and, and you could lose the you could lose the decision. So at the betting window, I might go with, with Adeshev, but, you know, pick because I, I do agree with Benoit being a favorite. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slightly lean Benoit, but I, I think it's a dog or pass situation. And I forgot to tell you all uh, Shaq's picks for those first two fights. I wrote it down. Um, so he took Roe. And he took uh, Adashev, actually. So he did take Adashev there. And next up in the strawweight division, we got a match between Ashley Yoder. She's 8-7. and seven, And she's taking on Jin Frey, who's 10-6. and six. Let's, let's, let's see what y'all are saying real quick. Okay, but first, first let's read these odds. Because currently, they got Ashley Yoder minus 150. The comeback on Jin Frey is plus 125. So... This is another interesting fight because I don't often recommend backing Ashley Yoder at a favorite price. She's someone you want to back as an underdog because kind of like I was talking about in one of these previous examples, if a fight is one-to-one -one going into the third round, that's usually where Ashley Yoder is the one that gets taken down and loses the close decision. Uh, but here against Jinyu Fry, what makes it interesting stylistically is that Ashley Yoder is actually the bigger and better grappler here. So it's I, I actually think that she can get the takedowns a little bit more comfortably here. You know, spend a little bit more time on top. Look, I got to give Jinyu Fry a lot of credit for going out there and beating Gloria De Paula because I actually didn't think that Jinyu Fry was going to win, honestly, a single UFC fight. Um, And it's not to disrespect her skill set at all. I just thought that, you know, she was a little bit too small for the weight class. I thought that she was an atom weight, you know, and I thought that her best days were behind her back when she won the Invicta was the atom weight uh, championship. You know, she's a former champion in, in Invicta. I just thought that, you know, that the sport kind of maybe passed her by, but for her to go out there, beat a young hungry prospect uh, was definitely a step in the right direction. It's just that the approach she had in that fight, which is to take down someone who doesn't have the best takedown defense. Not, not that, not that Yoder, some prime Jose Aldo with her takedown defense or anything like that. But, um, what I'm what I'm trying to say here is that I think Yoder is going to be the one that has more time and top control 
and therefore edge out another competitive decision. But I will say this. If Yoder decides that this is the fight that she wants to come out and test her stand-up, not that necessarily she's going to get blown out the water, but I do think that that's where Ginny Fry could ultimately have some success in this bout because the striking of Yoder isn't anywhere near as dangerous as the striking of De Paula. So, you know, it just comes down to Yoder's approach. But if Yoder comes out here grappling heavy like she's supposed to, stays on top, doesn't give up position, I think that she edges out the decision. And interestingly enough, Shaq actually went with Jin Yu Frey uh, in this spot. I would have loved to hear his breakdown on that. All right, let me see what y'all are saying here. My boy Uncle Wheezy in the house. He said, ballers go live at midnight. Big ups. Hey, big ups to you, man. Uh, you know, definitely definitely been uh, enjoying what you've been doing. Keep it up. Um, Rogue, Rogue uh, said, uh, Frey looking yoked out of her mind on the scales. Hey, she, y'all know if she's still training at uh, Fortis MMA? Because interestingly enough, because y'all know Cheyenne Bays left uh, Fortis MMA, but she was training with her, you know, um, excuse me, Cheyenne was training with Jin Frey when she took the De Paula fight. So interesting little tidbit there. All right. Next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Danny Chavez. He's 11 and four. He's taking on Kai Kamaka, the third, who is eight and four. And currently they got Kai Kamaka minus 115 and Danny Chavez is minus 105. So this should be this should be a good spirited battle. I mean, anytime you got a Hawaiian versus a prideful Latino, you just know that this is recipe for fireworks. You know that these guys are going to go out there and both guys are super durable. So there's a chance that it's just three rounds of chaos of big punches, big kicks, takedown attempts, ground and pound submission attempts, scrambles, everything that you want in a featherweight mixed martial arts uh, contest. And look, Danny Chavez, he's the kind of guy that, Man, it only takes a couple of those le- uh, of those low calf kicks to immobilize you, and then from there he can start working the other aspects of his striking arsenal. And he's a guy that, correct me if I'm wrong, I be- yeah, exactly. He's 34 years old. So basically, with Danny Chavez, he's in his prime right now. So he doesn't really have the time to try to get that seasoning and you know try to get his feet wet. He's got to make that run right now in his UFC career. And and I think that's the reason why. You know, they give him a guy like Jared Gordon two fights into, you know, or one fight rather into into his UFC career to test the guy to see what he's all about. So, you know, even though that fight didn't go his way, I, you know, because I do think that Gordon, you know, not only the the pace that he pushes, but just experience counts for a lot in this game. And, you know, Jared Gordon definitely out experienced him. But here against Kai Kamaka, it's more of an even playing field, but now you got the young, hungry prospect in Kamaka, who's 26 years old, taking on kind of. It's tough to call Chavez a grizzled vet because, on one hand, you know he's he is 34, but at the same time, man, you know he's only two fights deep into his UFC career. He's a hungry 34, so I wouldn't write him off because of his age. But I do think that Kai Kamaka has a couple of physical advantages here. And we talk about how Miranda Maverick versus Macy Barber was this, you know, crazy robbery. And, you know, I was on the wrong side of it, which is very frustrating. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But you want to talk robbery. What about TJ Brown versus Kai Kamaka? Like, man, that was like I, I felt bad for, for Kai Kamaka. That's one of those where, you know, after the final bell rings, you know, you go out to grab a drink, you come back in thinking he won, and all of a sudden they're interviewing TJ Brown. You're like, what? <laughs> like, seriously? Like, and, you know, I think I got a screen share here. I don't know if it'll let me, but did y'all see that post I made about uh, with with the picture of Adelaide Bird? Like, some people thought that was a joke. That was not a joke. That's actually Adelaide Bird. Um, let me... Uh, let me post a picture of that in here and, and y'all click it. I'm going to post it in this chat and y'all tell me what you think about that. Look. Check this out. So I just posted it in this chat that we're on right here. Click that link real quick and, and tell me what y'all think. Those are the people judging these fights. So, <laughs> you know, it's not even about what you think or what I think anymore. It's not even like when you're capping these fights, it's about 
Well, what does Adelaide Bird think? Who does she think is the more handsome fighter? Who brought her a gift basket on fight week? So it's a pretty scary thing that that's the state of our judging because you want to find comfort. Oh, yeah. Someone asked, uh, does she really train other judges? Yeah. Isn't that fucking scary, man? Like, like, dude, like, what the hell is going on? Like, and it's like 2021. How do you take a stand? Like, how do you make a difference anymore? Because people are looked down upon if they stand up to uh the judging and and the refing and, and stuff like that i think the judging is obviously worse but you know there have been some instances with some of these refs that you disagree with but i think the judging is the major problem that needs to be taken care of now and you know i know for me on the local scene i've seen some disgusting things and i've been one of the guys that has been outspoken about it and people look down on you when when you question the authority of some of these judges and some of these refs and it's it's a pretty scary thing, man. And it's like people don't understand that it, this is not under Dana White's control. This has to do with the athletic commission. So when people say, well, why doesn't Dana White do something about it? Dana White doesn't have a say in the matter. Now, maybe Dana White can have some influence here and there, but the athletic commissions are the ones responsible. And if they're not going to improve this shit, I mean, I don't know what to think. So it's like, how, how, how do you approach capping these fights that could potentially be close anymore? Right. If you know, it's going to be a blowout winner, that's one thing, but the fights that are 50, 50 and, you know, obviously you want the value on the dog and then they give the split decision to the other guy and the other guy clearly lost. I mean, or whatever the case may be, it's just, uh, it's been tough with the judges, but back to this fight, I personally think that Kai Kamaka is going to edge out this fight. It's just that does Adelaide Bird find uh, Danny Chavez to be more attractive? Does uh, you know what I'm saying? Is Chris Lee going to be on his cell phone throughout the fight? Like, so <laughs> what I think doesn't fucking matter. You know, it's it's all about what these judges think. And I could be wrong. Maybe Danny Chavez edges out the decision. But bottom line, I think it's going to be a close, competitive fight. I'm gonna lean with Kai Kamaka to get it done. Now, next up, well, before I go on, let me see what y'all are saying because I know I just said a couple things and maybe y'all agree, maybe y'all disagree. Uh, let's see. My boy Bernardo Oliveira Apostas says the best podcast. I appreciate that, my man. Obrigado, hermano. Um, hope all is well in Brazil, my man. Let's see what else y'all said. Jonathan said, terrible. She ever been in an MMA fight? I mean, I highly doubt it. I don't think you have to be in an MMA fight to know how to judge. I mean, most of us have never been in MMA fights, and we all know Miranda Maverick won that fight, right? And even the Corey Sanhagen fight, I understand it was a close fight, but a fight can be close and still have a clear winner. So it's, it's just a very frustrating thing because I feel like the the scoring criteria, if you actually read it, I don't think it's bad at all. I, I think it's pretty damn reasonable. It's just you got these incompetent people that don't know what the fuck they're watching. And, and that's the true issue. If I pull Weezy said Adelaide Bird is a very handsome woman. Yeah, you uh you're gonna ask her out uh for a drink uh tomorrow night after the fights? Let's see. Dan Goldstein said, if Adelaide Bird likes your sweater at the weigh-ins, then you're a lock to win a greasy decision. I know we're going to have to pay close attention. We're going to have to find out which guys, like I said, are bringing her gift baskets on, on fight week. And, you know, it's a uh, bet on Giannis. That way you don't need to trust the judges. I, I did bet on Giannis. Uh, you know, man, Giannis is a kid that he's very, very damn impressive. And if you watch his career, he's come a long way. No one's ever uh, heard him or rocked him in a fight ever um the only time that anyone's ever put it on him you know besides kind of the first round of the randy costa fight you got to go all the way back to yana's second fight against levi moles and it was with ground and pound and yana's took it like a man yana's wasn't out here looking for a way out or anything like that he's he's got that mexican warrior spirit man yana's is a kid that's actually he's going to go far in the sport um and speaking of levi moles you know y'all should uh, just remember that name because I think he's going to be in the UFC here soon. He not only did he beat Giannis, he also beat um, Jimmy Flick and some other guys as well. And he's only 26 years old. So wait, wait for this kid Levi Moles to make his uh, UFC debut at some point here. But uh, all right, guys, let's get to this next fight. So 
Next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Chris Gritzmacher. He's 14 and four. He's taking on Rafa Garcia, who's 12 and one. And currently, they got Rafa Garcia minus 300. The comeback on Chris Gritzmacher is plus 250. One thing I can guarantee is that this fight will be entertaining. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about two dogs. Uh, Rafa Garcia, Mexican warrior, fights with so much spirit. Uh, former combate champion. He's a guy that goes forward the entire time. He's a guy that, I mean, he's the epitome and the just the embodiment of a Mexican warrior. I mean, you hit this guy with the kitchen sink and he's going to laugh at you. And then he's going to come back with his own shots. He's got some underrated wrestling to go along with it. He did this camp at um, in Denver with Trevor Whitman. So, you know, he's been Justin Cagey's main sparring partner. So he's been getting it in with a top five guy on planet earth. His cardio is going to be even better. It was already great, but to take your cardio to another, to another level, uh, training uh, in Colorado and to sharpen your hands that were already pretty damn good with Trevor Whitman. It's only going to elevate this guy to the next level. And he's 12 years younger than Chris Grismacher. Look, I'm very familiar with Chris Grismacher. I max bet Davi Hamosh against Chris Grismacher. I bet on Joe Lozon. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I bet on Chris Gritzmacher at plus 160 against Joe Lozon. And then I passed on Chris Gritzmacher at big, big dog odds against um, Alex Hernandez. So I've been pretty good with the Gritzmacher fights. And the issue with this fight is that, you know, Chris Gritzmacher is one of these guys that, you know, he's tough, he's durable, and, you know, you start to slow down on him, then you'll start to take over, but then you'll start to take over, but he eats a lot of shots. The thing is that Rafa Garcia doesn't really slow down. And in fact, I'll even say this, and this might be controversial. I think Rafa Garcia pushes a harder pace than Chris Gritzmacher. And that's, that's, that's the one thing Gritzmacher is known for is that fucking pace he pushes. And I think Rafa Garcia actually pushes a, a harder pace than him. But uh, at this, there were a couple things that sketched me out, but I think they were just learning experiences. You know, two fights ago when he fought Eric Gonzalez, you know, he was, you know, he did kind of get rocked in that fight. He did start to slow down at times, but to, to his credit, he's the guy that can push through fatigue. And it looked like in more recent fights that, you know, his cardio has not been an issue at all. And in that Nazareth fight, even in a loss, I felt like he performed admirably, man. I felt like he went out there showed his true mexican heart and when you talk about taking your first l like for some prospects like y'all remember how i always talk about that kid josh crispy who was supposed to fight jose aldo jose aldo pulled out the fight and they ended up doing dustin poria's ufc debut on short notice against crispy and crispy was never the same ever again after that first loss whereas this kid rafa garcia i think after his first loss is the kind of loss that you learn from you grow from and then here he can come out here and have that showcase performance for grits to win this fight it's contingent on Rafa either, you know, getting badly hurt or just gassing out from trying to finish grits. Um, because look, it's going to be, they're going to go blow for blow that that's the thing about this fight. And it's still a fist fight. There's still four ounce gloves. You know, these guys are still professional fighters. They're going to go blow for blow. I'm telling you that right now. I just think that I'd rather side with Rafa Garcia in that type of fight. So I'm going to go with Rafa Garcia to get it done. And again, don't be surprised if he mixes in some takedowns uh, from time to time as well here. So I'm going to go with Rafa to get it done. Let me see. So, sounds like y'all got a, a lot of opinions uh, uh, about this one. Yeah, y'all do. Y'all do. But I'm going to get to this next fight right here because next up in the featherweight division, I'm curious about y'all's opinion on, on this one because I feel like this is kind of kind of one of those wait and see fights. We got Colin Anglin. He's eight and one. He's taking on Melsic Bagdasarian, who was five and one. And by, by the way, Shaq also took uh, Rafa Garcia in that fight. And currently, they got Melsic Bagdasarian minus 145. The comeback on Colin Anglin is plus 125. So. You know, obviously with Melsic Bagdasarian, he's Armenian, and Armenia has produced some good fighters, man. I mean, y'all remember Caro Parisian back in the day. Y'all know about Armand Sarukian, one of the top prospects at lightweight. So, you know, if if this guy fights uh, anything like them, 
you know, I, I think that he's got a bright future. But no, he's this guy's more of a kickboxer. And on his regional scene, on one hand, you know, you can criticize the level of competition he's fought. But l- look, look at how he's handled these guys. He's going out there and handling them exactly how you're supposed to, which is what you like to see. You know, he's not going to split decisions with these guys. He's getting them out of there right away. So th- that's very important to see. And that's what creates a prospect on the regional scene that, you know, then he needs to get tested on that next level. And the UFC is that next level because these guys aren't just going to go down to the first punch. These guys aren't just going to go down to the first kick. And you're going to get to see what this guy's really made of. Um, How does he perform in the second round? How does he perform if he can't get this guy out of there, you know, with the first big kick? Um, What happens if guys overcome knockdowns? You know, what happens when you're gassed? Because the UFC, as you know, is the pinnacle of the sport. So, you know, the last fight against Dennis Bazooka on Contender Series, you know, obviously he was impressive early. Then, you know, he kind of had to gut it out. He got a little tired, had to dig deep. But I think that's important for a young up-and-coming fighter, um, you know, that's had less than 10 pro fights, man. I mean, shit, he's had uh, less than seven pro fights in MMA. So he's got a lot of learning to do. And obviously there's questions about the grappling, but it's not because we've seen holes per se. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, but but what I'm trying, I mean, he's not been submitted or, or nothing like that. But what I'm trying to say is just because we haven't, you know, seen his ground game doesn't mean that it's bad or anything like that. I mean, and not to generalize or anything like that, but I've noticed that, most of the fighters I've seen coming out of Armenia do have good grappling bases, whether it's uh, Kara Parisian or Armin Sarukian. And again, I know this kid has a striking background, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's got some grappling chops in his in his uh, back pocket. But the thing is with Colin Anglin, it's not a question mark of if he does or if he doesn't. I mean, we know that Colin Anglin has got some wrestling, and I would say that Colin Anglin is probably the more well-rounded fighter here. Um you know, there were certain things I didn't like. Uh, I did think he was a bit hittable at times. And obviously, you don't want to be too hittable against a guy like Melsic. So there's that to be worried about. But then there's the whole questions about what happens if this fight gets extended or what happens if takedowns are involved. So I think there's a coin flip uh, kind of fight. I don't think it'll play out like a coin flip. But I think right now, before the fact, you know, it's kind of a coin flip because I really have no idea what the fuck's going to happen. So. Shaq went with Melsic Bagdasarian, so you know I, I'm, I'm gonna go with Colin Anglin here, and you know let's see, let's see who's right about that. Do any of y'all have a strong take uh, on on that fight? I mean, you know, is one of these guys a lock? Like, do y'all think that I'm sleeping on one of these guys and not quite seeing this fight clearly? I mean, I actually that's a fact. I'm not quite seeing this fight clearly. I don't really like. I mean. <laughs> I know Melsic kicks hard. I know he punches hard, the knees, the elbows, but I know that Colin Anglin um, is more of that well-rounded guy, can push a hard pace, can go deep into fights. So tough one to call. Y'all let me know. Now, this one I do have a bit of an opinion on because next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Brian Bam Bam Barberena. He's 15 and 7. He's taking on Jason Witt, who is 18 and 7. And currently, they got Brian Barberena minus 255. The comeback on Jason Witt is plus 210. So, listen, Brian Barberena is one of these guys that, um, you know, we were talking about being a, being a strong farm boy. He's definitely got that farm strength. He's definitely got an iron jaw. He hits like a truck. Uh, look, he might not be the fastest. It might not be the prettiest. But when you fight against Brian Barberena, you're going to know that you were in for a real fight. And he's in there, you know, the only guys that are beating him, at, you know, since he moved up to welterweight are the best guys on planet Earth. I mean, there's no shame in losing to, a, you know, in losing to Leon Edwards in a fight where actually Brian Barberena dropped Leon Edwards. Uh, there's no shame in, in, you know, going the distance against Colby Covington. Colby took him down a bunch of times, but he got back up a bunch of times. There's no shame in, you know, having a serious a life and death war with a guy of the caliber of Vicente Luque. And do you guys know what would happen if Jason Witt uh, took one punch from Vicente Luque? Uh, you guys know what would happen, right? Um, I don't even want to say what would happen. But uh, let me just say this. Brian Barberena ate hundreds of shots from from Vicente Luque. I mean, this guy's a madman. It's just, it's just a different level here. However, there is a path to victory for Jason Witt here. Um, I mean, for him to win, it's obviously contingent on him getting takedowns and holding down Barberena. 
you know, making everybody boo and, you know, boring the crowd completely. But I think it's only going to take one shot for, you know, Barbara to knock Jason Witt out. And I do think that Jason Witt, you know, listen, I think the quality of Jason Witt's chin rhymes with his last name, if you catch my drift. So Brian Barbarena is going to knock him out at some point in this fight, and he is going to be my pick to win this fight. Um, the sad thing about it is that Jason Witt's actually got some skills, man. I mean, he's actually got some some decent... He's got some decent takedowns, some decent entries to his takedowns. Um, he's experienced. He trains under James Krause. Uh, he's not a bad fighter at all. It's just that he can't take a punch. So, you know, and, and Brian Barbarena can can give a punch. And Brian, Brian Barbarena, uh, he's been in there with better versions of this style. I mean, like I said, went the distance with Colby, went the distance with Leon basically went the distance with Vicente. You know, it was stopped like four seconds before the bell. And and he's putting up fights against these guys. So Brian Barberena by knockout, that is my pick. And Shaq also has Barberena. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Nicholas Stolch. He's 12 and 4. He's taking on Jared Nitrain Gooden, who is 17 and 6. And currently they got Nicholas Stolch minus 200. The comeback on Jared Nitrin Gooden is plus 170. Good fight. Um, obviously, y'all know. Very biased here. Jared Gooden, friend of mine. I mean, like actual friend of mine. Um, you know, we've been to each other's houses and shit. So I'm super biased about this. And obviously, I'm going to pick him to win, but I'll I'll give you guys, you know the extent of the inside info that I'm allowed to share. So let's just let's just start with this. For Jared Gooden to make 170 pounds on three days short notice. Like like if you've been following this guy's career and you know about you know his past issues with weight and you know him moving back and forth from 170 to 185 pounds and also on a more personal level you know the kind of lifestyle he was living back in the day to now he can make 170 pounds on three days notice like i am proud of jared like i i like i'm blown away because a couple of years ago jared wouldn't have been able to make 170 on three week notice let alone three-day notice. So the fact that he made a complete lifestyle change, and you know he's never missed weight in the UFC, but but I, I felt like he made a statement, you know, taking this on three-day notice and, and making weight. And also, you know, the other day at my friend uh, Robert Hale's fight. By the way, shout out to Robert King Hale. Check him out. Um, won his fight via first round knockout. And my boy Robert Hale is the real deal. If you look at his record, oh, it might not look that good but that's because you know he took a couple stupid fights early in his career like like he fought ramazan kuramago medov up a weight class you know what i'm saying and, and he went the distance with him you know my boy robert hill also knocked out nicholas mata who's fighting jim miller and, and then my boy robert hill is out here just taking fights against real studs that are either in the ufc or have had in or have had opportunities on contenders or whatever the case may be or up a weight class but now that robert's taking the right fights uh, look the fuck out because this kid is the real deal. But um, back to this with Jared. The reason I brought up my friend Robert Hale is because he fought on Saturday at um, at the NFC. He headlined. He won first round knockout. I saw Jared there. Me and Shaq were there. We saw Jared there. And me and Shaq walked away from that kind of like Shaq said to me like, damn, like Jared looks like he's in striking distance of making weight. And Jared told us there that, hey, like, I'm eyeing a fight with Mike Perry. You know, me and Mike Perry, former training partners, we used to spar together, and we think it'd just be a really exciting fight. So he was actually eyeing a fight with Mike Perry. But then a day later, they, or no, a couple days later, they call him and are, and are like, hey, uh, you want to fight Nicholas Stolch uh, on, on three-day notice? And he was ready for the opportunity. He made the weight. So that tells me he's been training. So his work ethic is not in question. You know, it's just some other things that are in, are in question I can get into another time. But his work ethic is not one of them. He's in shape. He's good to go. It's just about what happens here approach-wise. You know, Nicholas Stolch, he's 
He's all right. You know, he's solid. I, I can't say anything bad about him. I think that Nicholas Stolch is long for the weight class. You know, he's 6'1". I think that he's got some solid kicks. Uh, his knees are on point. He actually dropped Ramazan and me with a knee. You know, he's got a little sneaky guillotine, and he, he's a tough He's a tough German fighter that is very hungry for a win. So, yeah, you know, I got nothing bad to say about Nicholas Stolch at all. Uh, I think uh, with Jared, you know, he came into the UFC, and I thought that his fight, against Alan Juban. I thought that that was a barn burner. I actually thought that that was like a classic like UFC fight that I can put on any time and be super entertained. And, you know, going into that fight, I, I thought that it was going to be a great fight. Now, going into the last one against Nurmagomedov, I didn't like that fight from the jump. I actually told him not to take that fight. Um, and listen, obviously on here, I'm going to, you know, the fight was already signed, so I'm not going to put any negative vibes out to the universe, but I'm going to always root for my guy. I'm going to pick my guy. But I, I knew deep down that the Nermago meta fight was a was a bad fight for him. And, I mean, remind me the last time someone looked good against a Nermago meta. And you know what I mean? So, but this, but this, I have different feelings about the Stolch fight. Um, you look, I can't guarantee a win, but I can guarantee that I have a way better feeling going into this one than I did the last one. I think that this is going to be a stand-up fight, and we're going to see who the better man is. I know Jared's approach here. Jared's not going to try to hump this guy. Jared's not going to try to bore the crowd. Jared's going to go out there and try to take this guy's heads off. Is going to go out there and try to take this guy's head off, and uh, we'll see who the better man is because I know Nicholas is coming to fight too. I just disagree with the line. Uh, Odds makers open at minus 130 good and they slightly edge him. Look, I think it's an even fight with a slight lean on good and maybe I'm biased. Look, if you want to favor Stolch, I don't have an issue with that, but what has he done to actually be minus 200 uh, here? So I do think the line's a bit wide. So for that reason, I, I'm, I'm going to pick uh, Jared Nitra and Gooden to win this fight and get his first UFC win. And he even said he wants to be, you know, the next generation Cowboy Cerrone, which means that. He wants to be able to take these, you know, short notice fights, three weeks, three days, three hours. He wants to fight everybody in the welterweight division. So let's uh, let's see how this whole thing plays out. All right, let me see what y'all are saying. Night train looked good on the scales. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, like I said, man, he's in he's in very good shape. He's been training this entire time. So we'll see how that translates on fight night. All right. Featured bout in the strawweight division. We got Gloria De Paula. She's five and three. She's taking on Cheyenne Bays, who is five and two. And currently they got Cheyenne Bays, a minus 175. The comeback on Gloria De Paula is plus 148. Guys, do me a favor, hit the like button and hit the subscribe button. I truly appreciate it. You help out the channel tremendously. Um but about this fight with Gloria and uh, Cheyenne, obviously they let a lot of people down. Um, they let they let a lot of people down in, in their UFC debuts as favorites. Uh, you know, I did bet on Gloria against Jin Frey because I didn't think that Jin Frey was going to win a UFC fight, period, man. I thought that it was just one of those cases where, you know, we're out, out with the old, in with the new. And Gloria de Paula, you know, she shares a similar quality to her girlfriend, uh, Myra Shitara Bueno Silva, which is, you know, on the feet, man. They got uh, some some very nice Muay Thai techniques and, uh, you know, wide diverse, diversity of strikes. It's just that a wide arsenal of strikes, excuse me. It's just that when you take them down, if they can't get that arm bar, man, they are not getting back up. And that's it's just such a frustrating issue because. There is talent from Gloria de Paula on the feet, man. I do like the way she strings her combinations. I do like the fact that she's out there, you know, throwing punches, kicks, knees, elbows, the, the whole bit. So she, she's a very talented striker. It's just that you got to nip this uh, not being able to get up from bottom issue in the butt. And, you know, same with uh, her girlfriend, Myra Bueno Silva, because I think they're both talented. It's just... Can can we can we work on our get up game this much? You know that that's all I ask for. And with Cheyenne Bays, you know it was equally embarrassing. Um, you know to to consistently be headlocked and kept and and be kept in said headlock throughout the duration of the fight, and not be able to make those in fight adjustments and not take advantages of the times that they were at the feet, not keep that proper distance, not listen to her coach. Safe Saud. And speaking of, of Safe Saud, glad I brought that up. So she 
was with Safe Saud, you know, for that last fight. And they, you know, her and her husband actually moved to Vegas now. Um, and on one hand, you can look at it like this like, look, Eric Nixick's a fantastic coach. So it's not like, you know, Cheyenne Bays is training with, you know, with, with people that aren't qualified. That's not the case at all. She's in there with studs. It's um, just that, you know, say safe Saud's a genius too you know safe Saud. so it's just about what what do you prefer you know it's like is she looking for answers is she going to come out here better because the way i see this fight is that obviously the way to beat shitara excuse me not shitara the way to beat uh de paula is to lay on her but cheyenne bays is kind of a aggressive kind of wild brawler type and goes forward and throws punches and i think that if she does that that De Paula is actually going to get the better of the striking exchanges. It's just my, my issue is, you know, you got a genius like Eric Nixick watching the tape and, you know, he's got to know like, hey, if we can just land a couple takedowns, uh, hold her down, I mean, we can win this fight. But at the same time, does Cheyenne Bays really have that skill set in her arsenal to be able to implement a game plan like that and to take it a step further? I bring up a genius like Eric Nixick. What about a genius like Safe Saud? the last fight? You knew that ruiz's one big move was the headlock and you still couldn't stop it so i think i i think this is a dogger pass situation man and I, i'm gonna go with gloria de paula to bounce back get her first ufc win and outstrike uh cheyenne bays you know contingent on her being able to not be held on her back but based off the footage cheyenne bays doesn't really try to take anyone down so obviously that that, that could be changed you know that's something you know fighters make adjustments they grow they evolve they progress, but based off what I've seen so far, if, if this is contested on the feed, I'll, I'll go with uh, Gloria De Paula for the upset. Because again, I do think this fight could play out closer than the odds indicate. So I'm more inclined to take the dog in a spot like that. Co-main event of the evening in the bantamweight division, we got Kyung Ho Kang. He's 17 and eight, Mister Perfect. He's taking on Ronnie Yaya, who's 27 and 10. And by the way, my boy Shaq took uh, Gloria De Paula. In that last one. And currently they got Kyung Ho Kang minus 120. The comeback on Rani Yaya is plus 102. So great fight between two studs that have been in the UFC a long time. Rani Yaya made his UFC debut in 2011. And he was also in the WEC prior to that. And um, Kyung Ho Kang made his UFC debut in 2013. And both these guys, I mean, with Kyung Ho Kang, it's always been, you know, his name is Mr. Perfect, but his name should be like Mr. Fight of the Night. You know, this guy's always involved in the back and forth war. He's durable. He can scramble. Um, he can take it. He can give it. I mean, the guy, the guy's a stud. He's big for the weight class. He's as experienced as they get. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Kyung Ho Kang. And with Ronnie Aya, I mean, look, the guy's a fourth degree black belt. Just to put that in perspective, uh, Damian Maya is a fifth degree black belt. So Ronnie Aya is basically just one step down from Damian Maya, which I mean, speaks volumes to the level of jujitsu that he has. And, you know, Ronnie Aya can come out here and he can, he can submit anyone in the division for sure. It's just that there's been a blueprint on how to beat Yanni Aya for a very long time. And Kyung Ho Kang comes out here prepared with that right, with that right game plan. And I think that he can, um, come out here, the you know, survive that early, you know, weather that early jujitsu storm. Then that second and third round, Ronnie Yaya starts to gas. He starts to huff and puff. That's when he starts shooting from a mile away. That's when you can actually even get on top of him, kind of neutralize him and start to take the, uh, <laughs> and start to, uh, sorry, your comments are funny and, and start to, you know, take the, the, the decision from there. So I'm going to lean Kyung Ho Kang, but you know, obviously you have to respect the guy like Ronnie Yaya. I mean, Ronnie Yaya, is um again a fourth degree black belt a guy that's been in the ufc ten, uh, 10 years a guy that um is a stud man so and don't sleep on his hands either i've seen him drop some people too uh don't forget about that uh was it the second johnny bedford fight uh he came he came in there with the hands there man so my boy ronnie i don't play games but kyung ho kang come out here with the right game plan and i think that you know just drag this to deep waters make Ronnie Aya have to work, exhaust him, make him start to flop to his back. He comes out there with that game plan, and I think Kyung Ho Kang can edge this decision. Main event of the evening in the middleweight division, we got Uriah Hall. He's 17 and 9. He's taking on Sean Strickland, who is 23 and 3. And currently, they got 
Sean Strickland minus 200 and Uriah Hollis plus 180. Interesting fight. So, you know, obviously there's the whole volume talk. Uh, Sean Strickland definitely throws at a higher clip than Uriah Hall. And, you know, people are going to say Uriah Hall is KO or bust. And yeah, but it's like he's like one of the best KO or bust guys of all time. He's one of those guys that he can be getting his ass whooped the entire fight, but just land one punch and end anyone's night. He's the kind of guy that can throw uh, shots uh, from a video game, whether it's the spin kicks or the knees and just his punches. I mean, he's dangerous with every single limb. And I think the thing that's so impressive, or maybe that's not so impressive, but the thing that we're just happy to see with Uriah Hall is that he's finally putting it together. And it seems like mentally, um, you know, he's starting to be more mean out there. Mentally, you're starting to see him go out there. And you're starting to see the finishes and the win streak that you wanted to see since day one, man. I mean, we've won. Because, I mean, look, back, back when he lost to John Howard in his second UFC fight, it wasn't because John Howard, and this is not to discredit John Howard, but it's not because John Howard was levels above him. It's because Uriah Hall kind of had a mental block at that point. I don't know if he didn't truly believe in himself. You know, obviously, I, I can't speak for him, but, you know, it, it is what it is. So he didn't perform at his best, whereas now I feel like he is finally starting to perform at his best. And maturity-wise, he's actually the team captain of Fortis MMA. So for Safe Sayud to trust Uriah Hall to be in that position uh, also, you know, says a lot about where his maturity level is at right now. And that's what you need because Uriah that's mentally there is a very, very dangerous Uriah. And look, Sean Strickland is such a talented guy. Um He's, I mean, look at his record, man. What, 21 and three? Is, is, that, is that what the record is? A 23 and three. Excuse me, Sean Strickland. I apologize. And he's also a very mentally tough guy, you know, to overcome a motorcycle accident where the doctor said, you know, you'd never fight again. You'd never walk again. And now he's, you know, made it to his first UFC main event. And, you know, Sean Strickland, um, always down to go blow for blow with anyone. He's got a nasty jab. I always said, you know, I, I didn't always say someone else came up with this quote. Um, I'm not trying to plagiarize anybody, but someone said a good jab will take you far. And it, it's true, man. And, you know, uh, Sean Strickland's gone a long way, man. He's got a beautiful jab. And I guess the only issue I have is, you know, there's not much you can criticize from Sean Strickland. His ground game is on point as well. The only, the only thing you can criticize is that Sean Strickland from time to time, not from time to time, a lot of the time, you know, he keeps that chin straight up in the air. And against a guy like Uriah Hall, it it might only take that one time to end this fight. And that's where that plus 180 line is very intriguing. Um, Again, Sean Strickland can be winning the minutes of this fight. And maybe Sean Strickland gets a finish of his own. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, maybe he can, you know, pile up the volume and wear down Uriah Hall and eventually put him down. Like that's 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 a possibility as well. But I'm going to actually lean with the dog Uriah Hall. Like, I like the momentum that he's on right now. I like how he's been performing um, in, in inside the octagon. But also, I like how he's been acting. And I like, I like his mindset now. It seems like he's finally put it together. Like, do you guys remember how he used to act? I mean, you know, he used to high five in the middle of fights. And he wasn't mean. And, you know, Dana White would criticize him. And, you know... It, he'd be a total dick to the media and, you know, not answer questions. And now I feel like he's matured. Again, he's the team captain of Fortis MMA. That means he's definitely matured. The performances are there. Uh, and again, the glimpses were always there prior to this current win streak. I mean, he knocked out Musasi, um, beat Tiago Santos. Now he's knocked out Anderson Silva and he beat Chris Weidman back to back. And I feel like now he's finally making his run. So, Listen, I'm going to go with Uriah Hall to catch Strickland somewhere along the way. Even if Strickland's winning this fight in the early going, I'm going to go with Uriah Hall to catch him. And who knows? Maybe one day we could see an Izzy versus Uriah Hall fight. I think that's a marketable fight. I think it's an exciting, you know, obviously Izzy would be favored, but so what? It would be, you know, two two of the best strikers in the middleweight division. And, and again, it'd be a, a very sellable fight. So, Let's see what happens. But Strickland, he, he's, he's a character, man. You know, Strickland's a guy that uh, you see, you hear some of the sound bites he's been putting out. Uh, they, you know, the guy's something else. So, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Strickland does. I think I think he's got a bright future win, lose, or draw. So, but I'm going to go with Uriah Hall here. I think it is, I think it is his time right now. So, Uriah Hall is my pick. All right. Let me, let me tell you all Shaq's picks on the last two. So, 
Oh, he actually, interestingly enough, he went with Kang and with uh and with Hall too. Okay, okay. All right. So before I talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, uh, y'all got any questions for me? Anything y'all want to tell me? Uh, you know, how how's your life going? Uh, everybody treating you good? Uh, what's your you know best bet of the card? Who should I max bet this week? Uh, let's see. Dan Goldstein said Kang has a beautiful head of hair, just no win of note. Yeah, but it's you know who cares if it's, you know win of note or let, let's look at how he performs in this fight. Let's look at his skill set, and then more importantly, let's look at how he matches up uh, with Ronnie Aya. And then also, but if you really want to talk win of note, I mean, read off the guys Ronnie Aya has been beating. But I don't really like to talk in those terms. I like more about the skill set and the stylistic matchup, but. He does have a beautiful head of hair. I, I, I'll give you that, my man. Um, my boy Owley says, "You know, it's a lock of the night when Dan pronounces when Dan pronounces a, a name this correctly." Wait, which uh, which one were you talking about? There was it Raniaya or someone else? Okay, thoughts on Pitbull versus AJ? Shit, that's a fucking great fight. I mean, I think that. Pitbull is the pound for pound best fighter in Bellator right now. And AJ McKee, this is that fight that's gonna let us know is he that that phenom that's gonna, you know, go 18 and 0 and just tear through everything, or is it time to get humbled? I mean, because Patricio Pitbull is such a man, he's he's truly paid his dues. He's a double champ, and the guys he's beaten, and I find it hard to count out a guy like Pitbull, but Maybe it's AJ's time. Maybe AJ is ready to be that guy. So I just got questions about it, but I, I wouldn't count out Pitbull. All right. Uh, Champ said, "What happened to Shaq? No, uh, nothing happened to Shaq. Shaq's good. Uh, it was just a little, a little scheduling conflict. Uh, you you can blame me on this one, and you know he'll be back in here because uh, it's funny. I saw some comments last time y'all were trying to." act like there was some kind of beef between me and Shaq and then like the very next week me and Shaq are out here smoking a blunt in front of y'all so now there ain't no beef we're completely fine I'm um, just a little scheduling issue you know because now we're trying to get him in the studio and you know we're, we we got busy lives and you, you don't you, you don't want to hear I don't want to bore you with all that but just know we're all good and we'll, we'll get it going soon all right let's see my boy meat man said fella said he's on Barbarena TKO um let's hope he doesn't pass out wow yeah i hope he doesn't pass out either um all right let's see uh what else you do the champ said he's got aj mckee all day yeah maybe maybe he's that guy so let me know all right anything else before i talk about this fight to watch and fighter to watch y'all let me know type it in the comments below and guys hook me up with that like that like and that subscribe i truly uh i truly appreciate it intro said maybe i skipped it but did you skip maybe i missed it but you skipped the benoit fight i did not i did not skip the benoit fight uh you can go back and check that out all right so fight to watch um my fight to watch was going to be ronnie lawrence versus trevin jones but unfortunately that fight got canceled so my fight to watch is going to be jared gooden versus nicholas stolch I, um i'm feeling they're gonna go out there have an exciting barn burner type fight Stand and trade, put on a show for the put on a, a show for the fans. So good inverse Stolch is my fight to watch. And my fighter to watch is actually uh someone in the main event, Uriah Hall. I mean, if Uriah Hall can put together his first four fight win streak inside the octagon, I, I feel like he'll show that, you know, he's truly over that hump and that now, you know, after all these years, he's ready to live up to the expectations that people had for him. Um since that you know, amazing run he had on the Ultimate Fighter, and again, he's shown glimpses along the way. It's not like, you know, it's not, it's not like this guy has sucked or anything. It's just, you know, it's been kind of hit or miss at times. But the hit, I mean, when you beat Tiago Santos, when you knock out Gegard Mousasi, um, at the time when he beat Chris Levin, um, you know, and then now you parlay that with uh, his current win streak. You know, he's won four of his last five. You're right, Hall's my uh, my fighter to take, uh, my my fighter to watch. Excuse me. All right, so Meat Man said, "Is Ronnie Lawrence okay? Yeah, he's okay. He, you know, he had like some 
he was very dehydrated so they took him to the hospital they put some uh some IV fluid in him and he should be good to go uh abu dhabi says strickland is the tougher guy and the more technically sound guy yeah i mean you know i'm not gonna argue with those points it's um with hall it's just all about that he's got that he's got that one hitter quitter he's got that eraser and sometimes you can be the more technical guy and still get caught by him so you know ali says the biggest fade of the card I mean, I wanted to say Nico Montano, but she pulled out. Um, I don't know. It's tough to say, man. I mean, because there's like a lot of people I, I don't, I, I wouldn't want to bet, um, you know, like Jason Witt, even though he does have a path to victory with the wrestling and maybe I'm way off on that, but I could just never trust Jason Witt's chin, like under any circumstance. So maybe him. Um Maybe Jinyu Frey, but you know, watch watch them both go out there and win. Now that I'm, you know that I'm saying that, so we'll see what happens. Um, all right, guys, I truly want to thank you guys so much for you know taking the time to hang out with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Truly appreciate it. Um, you guys can follow me at Best Fight Picks, follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05, subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Citrus, Spotify all the places uh that we are available we'll be back next week to to break down the next car let's see who we got next week next week we got cyril gan and uh derek lewis so should be uh should be a very very fun card i'm excited about that and guys thank you thank you for all your support man i truly appreciate it hit that like button hit that subscribe thank you guys so much hit up our sponsor manscaped go to manscaped.com use that promo code battle 20 for 20 percent off and free shipping thank you guys again and until the next time let's cash these bets